It's time to make some wrong things right. Help me bring supers back into the sunlight. We need to change people's perceptions about superheroes, and Elastigirl is our best play. Better than me? <clears throat> Bye, sweetie. I'll watch the kids, no problem. That's not the way you're supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it. This I don't way. know that way. Why would they change math? Mm, math is math. Okay, math Dad. is math. Hello? Hey, honey. How are the kids? Everything's great. And Jack Jack? He's in excellent health. That is freaky. You know it's crazy, right? To help my family, I gotta leave it. To fix the law, I gotta break it. You've got to, so our kids can have that choice. Thank you, young man. Combustion imminent? What does that mean? Ah! It means fire, Robert. The screen slater interrupts this program for an important announcement. Suit up. It might get weird. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going, ASAP? You better be back ASAP. Ciao, my people, and welcome to our 157th episode of Happiness in Darkness, the superhero movie podcast, where we discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse Image, and more. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I'm one of your co-hosts, DJ Nick, and joining me today are three, count them, three great guest co-hosts, starting off with the wonderful Holly McMiller. Hey, Holly, how are you? And welcome back to the podcast. I'm doing good. We're very, very happy to have you back, Holly. I think it's been a while since we talked to you. Yes, I think the last I was on was Megamind. Yes, indeed. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of Megamind, joining us from the Megamind review is Mr. Greg Vorob as well. Hey, Greg, how are you today? I'm great, Nick. How are you? How are you, Holly? How is Devin? It's so great to <laughs> be here. Doing well, doing well. Yes, yeah, we're very, very happy to, to 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 have you back for sure, Greg. You know, we had a very lively conversation when it came to Megamind. You know, myself, you, and Holly. And to add to the fun, we have, like you were mentioning, Greg, Mister Devin Smith <laughs> returning. Hey, Devin, how are you today? Welcome back. I'm fantastic, and I'm glad that this month is also uh, a landmark birthday for me. It's my 40th birthday. So this is kind of like an early birthday present, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have some fun with it. Oh, awesome. Well, it looks like a lot of, quite a few people are turning 40, uh, yours truly included, and that's going to be next month, and uh, I'm, I still am not sure how I feel about it, but, uh, you know, we'll get Amateurs! <laughs> it's we'll... not that bad for somebody who's three years away. Three years past turning 40, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I will second that. <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But in the meantime, today, of course, we are discussing Incredibles 2 from 2018. This was written like the first one and directed by Brad Bird, while the score was provided by, once again, Mr. Michael Giacchino. And to put it in today's money, this movie cost $235 million to make and made over a billion at the box office. So I guess uh, following the success of the first one, people really flocked to this theater to see this movie. So let's see how it panned out. Holly, starting actually with you, what yes. are your general thoughts on uh, the sequel to a very successful first film? I I enjoyed it. I mean, there were a couple parts where, mm, okay, but I mean, the scenes with Jack-Jack were great, and then having 
Elastigirl kind of get her moment to shine was kind of nice. And then having dad kind of realize, man, this isn't as, <laughs> this isn't what it's cracked up to be. It was, I enjoyed it. And of course, Edna, <laughs> you got to love Edna. You certainly do. And did you get the chance to see this in theaters at the time? I believe I did. Cause I think we reviewed this for the five ish fangirls. If memory serves. Fantastic. And uh, Greg, you know, you uh, had a few things to say about the first one. When it came to this sequel, were you happy? What do you think, Nick? Well, <laughs> here, I'll put it this way. <clears throat> Let me put it this way. I chalked up the original Incredibles to a good movie, and I can see where its appeal is for others. But just I chalked it up to not my cup of tea. This time around, just I just completely did not enjoy this movie. It, it was more than not my cup of tea. I found it very bland, uninteresting, boring. I get what they were going for, but look, a couple of great sequences for sure. A great score. As always, Michael Giacchino does an excellent job Mm -hmm. with scoring. I think he's one of the new great generation of master score film scores. Um, But the movie itself really didn't do anything for me, especially that, it took so long from the first to the second one to just kind of repeat what they did in the first one. I understand they're giving Helen her moment in the sun, but what I really loved about the idea, because I went into this blind, I didn't know anything what the sequel was. And I actually enjoyed very much the first 10 to 15 minutes because I I thought it was very clever that they picked up where the last one left off. And uh, the minute, literally the second that it picked off, I actually love when sequels do that or find a very clever way to do that, I should say. Um, And what I really liked about that was the family were working together. And that's the best part for me for The Incredibles. In fact, I'd look forward to a third one if it meant seeing the family work together throughout the whole movie. But once again, it, it, it was the first one repeated with Helen, who is a very endearing character, but... Just no, this movie just didn't do anything for me. Okay, so uh, it will definitely make for an interesting discussion seeing already where Holly is and where Greg is. And uh, uh, Devin, how do you feel about this? Are you team Greg or are you team Holly when it comes to your thoughts on this one? Okay, so I think that there are good aspects of the movie. Um, and I also think that there are some absolutely terrible cheesiness to it as well so i'm kind of torn in between so that's what my situation is going to be i can't really pick a side i'm just kind of out there in open space like normal so you know you know this is going to be a tough review for me because like there's a lot i like about it and then there's certain things i'm like ah we could have done a little bit without it well, that's totally fair. So I guess a, a very diplomatic answer. Very diplomatic indeed. And uh, boy, I guess when it comes to me, it's it's curious because I had not, I did not go to the theater to see this, but I did actually buy it on Blu-ray as soon as it was available. And uh, at first, I have to say I had a rather odd relationship when it came to this film because I was starting to watch and I was like, yeah, this isn't half bad. It's actually, I'm enjoying it. And then what happened was, and this is, I warn people who ever, who stay at my house or hang out with me not to sit on the couch when it's late because you fall asleep. And so what happened to me is I fell asleep numerous times during the course of the first viewing of this movie. 
And so I never got to see it as a whole because I'm like, oh, man, do I have to pick up and watch this again? And like, oh, I guess I'll watch it another time. And serendipity played a hand because uh, we got to review it for, the, for, for this podcast. And that's why I actually I avoided the couch. I sat on a chair looking at my TV screen and was able to watch it all the way through without falling asleep. And I will say I thoroughly enjoyed this. I thought this was a great sequel to the first one. And I think it actually, in my honest opinion, I think it's actually corrected possibly some of the mistakes that may have been had, maybe we had in the first film. And I think made it, they obviously got to flesh out more of the characters, I thought, which I, what I appreciate a lot, especially when it comes to Violet and Dash. I think we got to a little bit more about them. On the on the other side, some characters were sacrificed, like Frozone, I thought, was sacrificed a little bit. We could have had a little bit more of him. He was more of an active part within the first one compared to this one. I mean, he is in this and he does do stuff, but it's really regular old Frozone doing his thing. So it would have been nice to have had more of that, maybe more of his relationship, if you will, with Bob, because him and Bob, of course, are best mates. And we don't really get to see too much of that. So that was a shame. But other than that, I really enjoyed our villain. I actually think our villain in this one was a better villain than than the first one was. Syndrome was great, don't get me wrong. But I think Screen Slaver definitely gave us something more compared to Frozen. I think it was much more of a clever villain. Not to mention the concept that Screen Slaver brings forth, which, of course, we'll discuss when we get to her. But yeah, all in all, I very much enjoyed it. I think it was well-paced. The, you could definitely tell the, where the money was spent because some of the sequences were so, so good and just so well handled. Granted, it's animation, but still, like, wow, this is really, really, this is a really good looking film. And, uh, and I think Brad Bird did a great job in writing it. I definitely want, especially want to congratulate Brad on how he wrote this film. Some of the dialogue, I think, was very clever for what might be essentially be a kid's film. Because, you know, uh, there may be some things that might go over kids' heads, especially when it comes to screen slavers concept and idea and uh should we say mission statement but i really enjoyed it i thought it was a great great film so let's start off then with our superhero our characters starting with our superhero parents returning of course from the first film we have craig t nelson and holly hunter reprising their roles of respectively bob parr aka mr incredible and helen parr elastigirl so greg starting with you what did you make of what we got to see when it came to bob and helen well, again, you know, it was a rehash of the first movie, just uh, reversed uh, with this time Elastigirl doing her thing with uh, with Bob, you know, being the stay at home dad. Um, I, I, I really try to stay as tactful as possible. But OK, so I'll start with Bob. I, he's just not that interesting. And I found and I found this with a, a couple of the characters the voice actor, Craig T. Nelson, doing the best he could with what I feel is very bland and just not so much to him. Um, I, I guess, you know, again, I, I don't mistake my opinions for facts. This this movie and these characters, Bob, okay, so starting with Bob, did nothing for me whatsoever. It kind of seemed to me like Craig T. Nelson was giving his all into such a bland and boring character and elastigirl I, I mean it was nice to see her in action and see i would have liked to see the family in action and again i would still love to see an incredibles with them all at it you know all solving the mystery and fighting the crime together so elastigirl again endearing just like she was in the first film and you got to see her do 
more. Uh, and it was great, you know, to see her on an adventure. It's it's one of those sequels to me that took so much time. And of course, that's because of Pixar's roster and how long it takes to animate. I get that. Um, but I, I really felt like this was a mirrored film, which a lot of sequels are, but just didn't hold my interest. Elastigirl, so I would say, is endearing. Um, nice to see her. I think she was charming, but in the wrong movie, man. And uh, Devin, what did you make of our two uh, parents? Well, I, okay. To me, I feel like both characters are actually not boring, honestly, to me. I mean, because to, to me, it's kind of like it, it reminded me of what it would be like if like Wonder Woman and Superman were married and they had, you know, children and had the family and tried to keep their identity secret and, and live this secret life. And to me, like that was keeping my interest a little bit more. And plus like some of the funny things that were going on with, with uh, fighting villains and things like that. So I was not bored at all with the characters. I actually thought uh, Bob was entertaining. Um, and Elastigirl, like, I, I feel like that's just part of, of her character. Like, she's, you know, going to be bland at some times and funny at others in other points of the movie. So I think it's give or take with the characters, but I didn't have a problem with it. And uh, Holly, what did you make of Helen and Bob? I enjoyed it. I mean, Bob is kind of like he's kind of facing the retirement almost with the whole thing of, you know, superheroes being kind of bad so and then when helen gets recruited he's like okay i'll stay home and he has to face every parent's worst nightmare <laughs> helping with the math homework <laughs> math has <laughs> <Things> changed change. <laughs> yes <laughs> and then you know and then having to deal with since when did the youngest have super baby powers and more than one <laughs> help <laughs> Back away from the cookies. <laughs> no, and you know, and Bob really didn't have a secret mission, quote unquote, that he could hide and still have fun and get his quota of being the superhero fulfilled. And Elastigirl Helen, she she was happy to do it, but then she was willing to put everything aside and family first because as soon as she mentions like jack jack okay and she could tell bob's answer wasn't quite up to snuff she's like i can come he's like no 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 you got you do this your turn so in a way i think it was kind of nice that he was giving her the moment to shine in the sun where he kind of did in the last one so but there were some parts where it's like okay but for the most part i enjoyed both of the characters i mean it's it's interesting to you know to greg's point uh, you know when he says that uh, you know it, it somewhat mirrored the first movie i can agree because i suppose the first one was literally bob's arc of doing his thing and literally wanting to relive the glory days of being mr incredible while helen was more of the stay-at-home mom minding the kids and then obviously gets put, sucked into it afterwards and then obviously we mm -hmm. get then, then the, the family fighting as a unit. 
And I suppose, like like Greg says, it is kind of a repetition of that, except they've reversed right. the roles. And it's it's Helen's right. story. Bob is at home and doesn't get to do much of the superheroing. And then once again, the family's reunited and fights as a family. Granted, we do see them fight right. as a family at the beginning as a continuation to how the first film ended. But I guess I can see why one might take issue with that as in you're basically telling the same story, except you're reversing the characters. I get that. What I did like, though, was how those characters were explored. I mean, you have to kind of feel bad for Bob because he started in the first movie. He's frustrated in the second film. He's also frustrated because in the first one, he's like in this dead end job where he wants to be Mr. Incredible and has to hang out with Frozone on the side to get his superhero groove on. And, and so he's just frustrated with his life. Well, he, well um, in this one, he's frustrated because he has to stay at home. And it seems like um, he's, he gets chosen, or should I say Helen gets chosen over him by Winston, by Winston <laughs> Debo. And he's like, why is this happening to me? I want to do this. And they choose her. So I think at first, maybe he is a little bit selfish and thinks more about himself and his needs rather than Helen's. Because we can see he's incredibly angry and jealous and envious when Helen is calling him saying, I stopped a monorail today and he's gritting his teeth because like, mm -hmm. that's where I want to be. I don't want to be doing math and worrying about a crazy kid who's got all sorts of powers and uh, uh, my daughter who's got boy problems. He doesn't want to have to deal with this. I mean, he's because he's good at punching things. I think that's his problem is he hasn't. I mean, he's not a bad dad, but I think he's learning what it means to actually do things that don't require you punching holes through people and using your strength. It's more about mm -hmm. using your heart and understanding and listening. And I think the great thing is by the end of this film, he does develop those skills and has learned how to listen to his kids and I think be more supportive of his wife. I mean, once again, I'm not saying he doesn't love Helen or he's not supportive, but he's maybe not as jealous. He's able to put his feelings aside and say, she deserves the spotlight and she deserves mm -hmm. this. And that's what I loved about Helen's arc is it is literally about her and what she gets to do and seeing the joy that, and the elation that she gets at being Elastigirl and doing what she does. It made me very happy. And I, I actually I love what Holly Hunter brought to this character once again, because the just the joy and the excitement and the intensity of the situation she was in. It was amazing. So uh, I was happy with it. But yes, I suppose one could say. You know, kind of feel bad for Bob and it maybe should have been called Elastigirl and the Incredibles. Like the first one should have been Mr. Incredible and the Incredibles because of the story arc. But all in all, I was I was happy with it. But I do, like I said, see, see Greg's point for sure. So, guys, anything else on these two before we move on to our next group? I'm no, good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm OK, so moving on, then let's get to our super kids. We have, of course, returning Huckleberry Milner as Dash Pa, Sarah Vowell as Violet Pa, and Elu Fucile and Nick Bird as Jack Jack Pa. If you're wondering, of course, Bird, yes, he is kind of related to Brad Bird. So uh, starting with you, Devin, what did you make of our three kids in this? Well, I, <clears throat> I think that, like, they're part of what makes the movie interesting because they really did dabble in, in what their superpowers are and they're trying to find themselves growing up as, you know, as a family. And what I like is I love the, the issues with the daughter and, and the father with the dating and boys and all that funny stuff. Like that is hilarious to me. Um, and what I can't figure out though, and what dabbles my brain and, and, and I can't ponder an answer to it is 
Now, why does the baby have more power <laughs> than anybody <laughs> else in the family? Like, that mm-hmm. fried my brain. It's just like, this makes no sense. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how superhero biology works, but uh, yeah, I, I see your point. Yeah. I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that, that makes no sense to, in my brain. And I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I guess it's just part of the storyline and you just got to go with it. But, um, you know, I, I, yeah, that's just how I feel about it. You know, I feel like the kids are a big part of the movie and without them, it would be kind of boring. So, and Holly, what did you make of these three? Um, Dash, you know, your typical middle child hates the vegetables, needs help with the math homework, not causing as much trouble as he did in the first film. Violet really sympathized, you know, she's growing into her own, making friends, and then having this whole scene with the boyfriend, not realizing that there's a men in black contingent that memory wiped his brain to cause these boyfriend issues. And... I mean, and Jack-Jack just being Jack-Jack and trying to figure out where he fits in the family and his powers and kind of him and Edna having (laughs) a bonding moment. A bonding moment. And then him and the raccoon was something that just kind of like, okay, Rocket? Groot? (laughs) (laughs) Almost just like I could see a team up later on with shorts with <laughs> the <laughs> raccoon and Jack Jack. Let's cause some trouble here. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess coming off of uh, super pets, I could possibly mm-hmm. see they kind of need a pet at this point because hey, they've got the car, mm-hmm. they kind of just need yep. a pet now, so they kind yeah, of uh, exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of because it comes with the territory. And I actually have to have to ask here, Holly, since you mentioned that fight between or, yeah, fight between Jack Jack and the raccoon, as we don't really get raccoons over here, at least not in this part of the country, are they that vicious or was it an exaggeration? Um, they can be. If you I mean you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone, but um they don't call them bandits for nothing. I mean, if you're up up in northern Wisconsin, between the bears and the raccoons, you really have to keep a lid on the garbage or you are in deep trouble. <laughs> so the fact that garbage eaters is not just a, just a statement. They actually do go through your garbage. Oh, yes, they do. I mean, it can be, they will literally rip and spread and you have a complete and total mess on your hands. Some of those scenes from uh, Great Outdoors, kind of true. <laughs> thank you for clarifying that because yeah i I haven't uh, personally had it happen but i have seen end results it's like uh yeah that's either a coon or a bear so yeah okay well i mean uh, like i said thank you for confirming that because further Mm -hmm. up north of course over here we would get raccoons but uh, where i'm at which is literally you know Flatland, if you will. We're just getting geckos now because the because of climate change. But other than that, you know, we haven't gotten raccoons just yet. So uh, I'll be waiting to see if that happens. And uh, Greg, what did you make of these three? Well, because Holly mentioned the great outdoors, that that would have been. Uh, I'll start with Jack Jack for that reason. <laughs> um, that would have been one of two 
recommendations I was going to make because if you want to see funny raccoon sequences, check out The Great Outdoors. If you want to see an unnecessary stop-the-movie-dead raccoon sequence, watch this movie. Okay, so I'll start with continuing being the cynical one on this show where someone loves The Incredibles 2 and is listening to this show for the first time. They must think I'm the biggest dick ever. But listen, okay, so I'll start with Jack-Jack. I hate Jack-Jack, okay? Uh... I, unless it's a Mandela effect, I remember at the end of The Incredibles 1, we find out Jack-Jack, in fact, had powers. But maybe that's a Mandela. I thought that we established that already, so I wasn't surprised. The babysitter surprised. realized it. The babysitter okay. realized it, and she couldn't verbalize it to the mo- to Helen what was going on, if gotcha. memory serves. It's been a while since I've seen the yeah, first one. Yeah, um, Yes, well, whenever The Incredibles 1 episode aired, it was as long ago as I saw it. So I didn't, I knew there was something. So I wasn't surprised if you were supposed to be surprised. Sorry, I wasn't surprised. But I find Jack-Jack annoying. <laughs> I think he's so annoying. But on the, uh, I don't really think I need to say any more about it. I don't think he's cute. Uh, and uh, I think he's kind of crazy. I, I don't think his powers are endearing in any way. I think it's like, I stop showing me Jack-Jack. And stop showing me this raccoon scene that's obviously supposed to be hilarious. This is not hitting me as hilarious. But on the flip side, here's the saving grace of the movie would be Violet and Dash. Dash being my favorite character. I think he's hysterical. And I think in the in both films, he's written very well. But, hey, I could see a whole Dash movie. I would watch a whole movie with Dash or a, or a Disney Plus series. I, I think he's very funny. And Violet is it's it's very poignant part of the part of the movie this little subplot with her coming into her own and you know thinking that the boyfriend didn't show up uh, but his memory was wiped um in fact you know like i said i enjoyed the first 10 to 15 minutes when it started with that just as i enjoyed the first incredibles 10 to 15 minutes you know with them in the headlines and all that and the the glory days of the uh superheroes if you will i same thing here uh, right down to, uh, um, so with the interrogation starts with the interrogation and then them fighting the villain together, liked all that. And that's where it stopped. But the, the violet keeping that story arc going from the very first scene with violet, I thought, I thought it was very cute. Sure. I like violet and dash and can even see them in a super sister and brother Disney plus series or something like that. Um, I, I would never go to the theater to see an Incredibles movie, being how I felt about both of them. Uh, but again, I would love to see them all fight together. But Violet and Dash, for me, were the the saving grace of this movie that at least kept me something of amused while the rest of it was going on that didn't do that so much. Hmm. So I like Violet and Dash. Well, I mean, I have to then bring this up as well, uh, Greg, because you reviewed this movie and you actually mentioned it, you know, in one of our numerous chats that you and I share. You, of course, were on with uh, your uh, cohort, John Seymour, to review The Mask 2, or Son of the Mask, I should say. And uh, comparing the baby fight between in that movie and the dog and Jack-Jack and the raccoon, which of the two is worse or better for you? Um, okay, uh, look, I expected more from the Incredibles franchise because of how it's beloved, and I'm, I'm sorry I don't share that love that others have. Again, I don't mistake my opinions for facts, it's just an opinion, but the first one, like I said, I chalk up to not my cup of tea, the second one, uh, just, it's just a bad movie for me. 
Um, I would say that <laughs> I hated them both. Let me make that clear. <laughs> but Incredibles 2, which, you know, has such people have such fondness for. I, I really, really hated that scene. And uh, see, in Son of the Mask, it kind of sort of serves the story. In this, it stopped the movie dead for me. So believe it or not, Son of the Mask was more tolerable than this. Which is saying a lot, folks, because uh, yeah. when you say it, when people use words of praise about Son of the Mask, you know, you start looking out your window and you see pigs flying. So it's like, uh, wow. <laughs> so it's, a, it's definitely a moment in history. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, when it came to the kids, I'm, I'm right there with, with you guys. I, I didn't, this one actually, I pro, I'm not a big fan necessarily of babies in films that doesn't mean i don't love babies because i love my niece more than life itself you know she's she's a crazy kid but i love my niece and um and i know seeing what she gets up to now at only one years one year old and has now learned to walk she's already a terror so i can only imagine what happens next but i love her uh but yeah babies can be complicated i think sometimes in films when it comes to this kind of stuff but jack jack i actually found fun to a certain extent because I think it maybe brings forward what some people perceive children as in total monsters, like when Jack-Jack turns into that kind of creature or monster, he turns into rage monsters. It's like when babies throw a tantrum, they, you know, some people, some parents say, I've got little monsters on my hands, but, and maybe lovingly and not in a bad way, but you know what I'm saying. And so I guess they're trying to maybe show that babies can be a handful and are a handful. It's a full-time job to be a parent and take care of your kids, not to mention at three different ages and very difficult ages. You know, one's a toddler, one's, you know, a little bit older and one's kind of just starting high school, I believe it is. Um, um, so it's uh, it's an, it's a difficult time, I think, in general for kids at that moment. But yeah, I found Jack Jack entertaining. I did like the the raccoon versus Jack Jack fight. I thought it was it was interesting. Of course, when Edna shows up and she, at first she's like, I don't want to deal with babies, and then obviously there's a bonding going on there, which uh, Holly mentioned. I thought it was fantastic, and uh, that's why I, I was so hoping we would get Edna. Granted, she doesn't get much to do here. But when she shows up, she's always fun. And I like that going on. And when it came to Dash and Violet, as I said, they're both dealing with difficult things. Because, hey, I hated math from the day from day one. Mm. And I just I just could never, never get my head around it. So I was very much with Dash, even though my dad is a is a professor of mechanical engineering. And he loves math. To him, it's poetry. But uh, I just don't get it. And I'm so um, I was with Dash. And plus, I think it plays the fact that he is. No, it reflects his powers that he's very sort of wanting to rush from here to there. So his attention span is very short. So he wants to get on to do the next thing and and not have to worry about this kind of stuff. And he is very much his father, his father's son, I think, because he's all about mm-hmm. wanting to be a wanting to be a superhero and wanting to yeah. do the cool stuff. I and mean, we see how much he uh, gushes over the Incredible, which I thought was a fantastic concept. And He's the one who then gets to drive it and command it and everything. So I loved seeing him do that. And I can see why Greg says he's his favorite character because Dash is probably my favorite character too. One being a speedster and folks know I love the Flash. So I tend to gravitate towards speedsters. So uh, I thought it was, it was a great, great uh, character. And Violet, it was nice to see, shall we say, the continuation of her, her shall we say, budding relationship and having to deal with, with the kind of prob- problems that, you know, young teenagers or you know young girls and boys are dealing with us in talking about love discussing love and how embarrassing it can be to be with your parents in front of the potential girl or guy you like 
and making you look like a total fool. So I was with her completely, even though Bob, Bob's intentions are good, but parents tend to screw that stuff up all the time. So I thought that was great. But I'm glad that it seems that uh, hopefully by movie's end, Violet might get her happy ending and might get to get her relationship back on track and be happy. But uh, yeah, I, I like this subplot uh, for sure. And I thought it was nice that the, the kids got stuff to do. Not to mention, I can also see Dash and Violet's deal with minding Jack-Jack. Because that was me and my sister with my younger brother. You know, we love him um, and stuff, and now we know he's a grown man. But um, it was always about who has to kind of take care of, of our little brother. And it's like, no, it's your turn now. No, I, it's uh, your turn. And so I very much gravitate towards that as well. I totally got it. And I said, yeah, I've been there. I totally understand. So, I'll do uh, the next two weeks of chores if you take care of them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. So, so, and not to mention, you're dealing with a little brother who has very unpredictable powers and so you don't really know what's going on and what's going to happen but yeah like i i get their frustration of being saddled with having to deal with their younger brother when they want to be doing other stuff so uh the dynamic was great and also the the voice actors did did a fab job with this too so i i i like what the kids got to do and hey once again they kind of got to save the day at somewhat in this movie because they're the ones who literally free their parents and everybody else from screen mm -hmm. So uh, it was kind of cool that they got their moments in that, you know, between the Incredible and saving the day and being really out there. I thought that I thought it was a great little little thing for sure. So uh, anything else on our kids, guys, before we get to our, our last two characters? No, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all good. Right. Okay, you great. know I am. <laughs> okay, I know you are. Okay, well then, let's get to the two new additions to this franchise. We have, of course, Bob Odenkirk, who I'm sure Greg is familiar with, as Winston Diva, and our big bad, Catherine Keener, as Evelyn Diva, Screen Slaver. So, Holly, what did you make of our brother and sister in this film? Um, interesting, to say the least. I mean, I at first, I kind of was expecting the FBI agent who did the mind wipe on Violet's potential boyfriend to be the big bad. And then when the brother and sister duel kind of show up, I'm just like, Hmm, my flags were kind of going off. Like, should we trust them? And then to find out that the sister is the one that's causing all the havoc, it was just like, okay, Kind of, sort of saw it coming, kind of, sort of didn't. And the way that she was going to try to take control was completely in, I mean, ingenious. This is like goggles and then control. I mean, we're talking something straight out of Doctor Who with the reboot and the Cybermen and those earpieces from Cybus <laughs> uh, Technologies to control and good on the kids for figuring it out and putting the kibosh on that real quick and and when it came to to you know uh, comparing should we say um the first our villain from our first movie syndrome to screen slaver did, did you prefer screen slaver to, to uh syndrome or or the other way around or did you like them equally uh, um kind of liked them um, Equally, I think I think Screenslaver was probably just 
had a slight more evil potential for just how many things could go wrong because she could control more super heroes and had them more under their sway. I mean, because you can also kind of throw in, I'm going to throw in a Marvel reference here, Civil War kind of with the Sokovia Accords having to sign and we have the thing with superheroes kind of being bad in this one. So it's just like, great. Here we've got a set making them appear good. While Syndrome, he was just you know, trying to become a superhero in his own right, but then trying to take out his own hero that he met that kind of snubbed him. So it's just like kind of a horse apiece, but I think more edged towards screen slaver. And uh, Greg, as I mentioned before, you are, of course, I believe, familiar with Bob Odenkirk's work. So uh, what did you make of him as uh, Winston Diva? And yeah, what did you make of our villain in this picture? All right. Well, when we first meet the uh, Nick, I'm still so amused by you saying I know Greg is familiar with Bob Odenkirk. You want your audience to laugh? It's because we had to edit out a giant section of Bob Odenkirk talk in the last MSV podcast, the SNL Movie Roundtable. Now your audience gets the joke. Okay. The the inside so, joke is out. Yes. Yeah. There it is. Okay. So Bob Odenkirk has a well. But I do like Bob Odenkirk's uh, comedic work, and. Uh, uh, again, it was much like Craig T. Nelson. I felt like he was giving his all to a character for me that just wasn't very interesting. However, when we both meet, when we meet both siblings, I said, okay, one or both of them is the villain. I mean, it, it could be cause it was so mirrored to the first one. I'm like, okay, they're being fooled again. And this is really the villain recruiting them. All right. So this was no surprise to me. And I, I felt like it was very obvious. Um, that one or both of them would be the villain. Uh, I think they kind of want you to suspect Winston. Is that Bob Odenkirk's name? Yep, Winston. Correct. I think they want you to suspect the brother just a little bit more because he's a little bit like a salesman, you know, a little bit like a car salesman, you know what I'm saying? You really don't know whether you can trust either mm -hmm. one of them. And I think they wanted you uh -huh. to, to feel that way uh, about them because it's like, uh oh, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like the last movie. Um, but Winston, you know, he was, it was a great voice performance. He, again, he gave, he brought his A game, but the character, eh. Now, to, let's go into um, Screen Slaver. This was another highlight of the film in the chilling way that Screen Slaver was, okay, this is real, uh, to give credit to the movie where credit is due, this is real superhero movie villain here, you know? And the one of my favorite sequence is her running on the roofs, but you hear Screenslaver speaking. Screenslaver was a much better villain than Syndrome from the first one in in a in a way where Syndrome was a little bit more amusing than chilling. And Screenslaver was chilling. And it was a matter of, okay, is this both the brother and the sister pulling the strings here, or is it, you know, one of them? But they used Screenslaver in a very nice way. I think that was very well done. Um, and, uh, I, I, d does saying what I feel about screen slaver, uh, count as how I feel about this, uh, <laughs> the sister who is screen slaver, you know, she was, you know, she was interesting enough. I felt like it was a little bit of an inside joke, perhaps having Catherine Keener voice her because of get out, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, mind control played a little bit of part there in, in that character. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought the use of Screenslaver was 
done very well. It was reminiscent, even though it came out first, it was reminiscent of the Batman. It was reminiscent of uh, how they used the Riddler in, in, in the Batman. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, they, they, they build it up and build it up and build it up just to reveal the obvious. However, the use of the screenslaver character in that, it, with her in that persona, that was well done. Sure. I, in fact, because I thought also, especially, you know, the uh, just the effects, like you were saying, of screensaver running across on the rooftops and just that was a great moments. sequence. Yeah, that was oh, a great yeah. sequence. Yeah. And even yeah. when when uh, when uh, Evelyn corners um, Helen and they're having that whole moment where the lights turn on and it's very sort of it's very cinematic. You're like, wow. OK, I Go a th- good point. I'm glad you brought that up, because this is the point where I think the Phil uh, Brad Bird kind of wanted you to not trust Winston. I think so, too. And uh, Devin, what did you make of Winston and Evelyn? Oh, boy. Uh, okay. Now, I'm going to be brutally honest in this situation, and, and I'm kind of going to take Greg's side a little bit, because, my God, these were just dreadfully dull and boring villains, and I am sorry, but did they not even try to cast people for these roles? Were they just picking people off the street and paying them $25 at McDonald's? Uh, like, yes, the villains in the, the, yes, the villain in the first film. Yes. Better. Absolutely better. That kept me like more interested in the film and not wanting to fall asleep. And yeah, the villains in this film are just absolutely terribly pathetic. And it, it's like being afraid of, like, a seal. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's, it's like, it's like being afraid of a baby or something. Like, they, I, I'm not understanding why these people are villains. Like, they're, they're not villains to me. They're, they're like, at the most, sidekicks. So, I think that they weren't thinking this through with, with, with this situation. Like, I feel like they should have gone out and done more research on casting the right people for these particular roles. And so that part of the film, yes, I thought was dreadfully boring and they needed to really evaluate the villains in this film. Well, I reckon I'll have to come to the rescue of these two characters then, because uh, when it came to Winston, I do agree with, uh, with Greg, when he says that um this it might have been the concept of wanting to steer you to thinking that screen slaver was probably him because the fact that yeah he comes across as incredibly endearing and kind of great you know gracious and being so much of a fanboy when he meets yep. the incredible like you know i grew up loving you guys we want to get you back on track and we got another group of superheroes for you guys to meet and you're going to do we're going to overturn this law that superheroing is illegal we're going to make that happen and we're gonna, and you're going to go back to doing what you love and we really believe in you and such so i guess the whole salesman concept could have been Eh, is there more to it? Is he trying to trap them? Like both Greg and Holly were saying. But then, of course, and I think, I wonder whether the, and this is just my possible musing, is when we actually see or hear Screen Slaver, we automatically assume it's a guy. Yeah. You know, there's almost that light turns on is like you don't expect it to be the sister. Almost like, because you even maybe look at the silhouette or you hear the voice like, you maybe automatically assume it's Winston also for that reason, because of also the way they, they kind of, so it makes it, I think almost clever to a certain extent that it wouldn't be the woman behind the curtain who is the super genius and is doing all the great things. And 
and the and I think the the message that maybe it's also trying to hammer through is maybe the fact of because it's two women in this film I think are trying to shine within the uh, should we say more, almost a male dominated society. One could almost look at a, a, a there being a feminist point of view yeah. in this film where you have Helen proving herself as a superhero and you have. Evelyn wanting to prove herself as well as the genius that she is because all the amazing gadgets and gizmos and stuff that have been devised have been all from Evelyn. Winston just knows how to sell them. And she actually points that out when her heart to heart with Helen is like, he would, I, I could come up with the craziest thing in the world and he'd be able to sell it. They wouldn't care who about who created it, but they would buy it because selling uh, it almost outdoes uh, the invention itself. So I think it's almost very much the concept of commercialization and maybe almost, I think it's one, the concept of feminism, almost like being um, relegated to second-class citizens and the men being first, but also it might be the concept of, of commercialism and where salesmen and saleswomen ha- are, the, are the ones who eat everybody's lunch and who cares about who created it because nobody remembers who created it. And so it's almost a criticism on that, I think, as well. And that's probably where also Evelyn's anger comes from because she, on one side, the screen slaver um, mission statement, I think, is people aren't doing things for themselves. They're relying on everybody else, on superheroes, on technology and stuff to do things for them. And thus it's making them weak. So Mm. there's so many messages that I think can be seen in this through this villain. Could it be one? We're so dependent on smartphones. We're always looking at screens and we are slaves to those screens. Or could it just be that we have almost forgotten to think for ourselves because we depend on technology on wikipedia on these kind of things and not do the you know should we say the personal research ourselves like go to the library pick up a book do some reading and stuff so it could be that it's such a quick fix culture that we've literally become slaves to screens so it could be that so i mean there's so many ways i think one could read it and as as greg Mm -hmm. has, has taught me there's no wrong answer but um so I, I think that the beauty of it is, is there's so many layers that you could probably see through a character like Screensave. Could just see as like, yeah, an evil villain. Or, you know, if obviously you go, I think you go beyond that, there's so much more. And I, it got me thinking, because I thought to myself, in this day and age where everybody's looking down and looking at their screens and stuff, like, it's still very timely. I mean, this was 2018. It's still the yeah. same deal in 2022, if not worse. So, and I'm, and yeah. I'm as much of a slave to my screen as the next person. So, I yeah. think it's still very relevant when it comes to that. So, I enjoyed that. I thought it was I thought well, it was Nick, you, you, you are spot on there with the possible subtext. But I will now say to play devil's advocate of my opinion of this movie. Sure. Not as it's a that's a brilliant concept, but nothing in this movie, in my opinion, is executed well. Ah, <laughs> oh, in the sense. So that that's a great point to make, and that's a great point if that's what Brad was going for. But uh, if if that's what he was going for, it could have made that a little bit more obvious. Yeah. Mm, so you think it might be a bit, the message might have been a little bit too subtle, possibly. There's nothing wrong with a subtle message, but. That there's everything with this movie for me is execution, execution, execution. 
that it wasn't there. It just wasn't present. Yeah. Fair, fair. I mean, as I said, I uh, I suppose you know since I've, I've I've gone down the path of the Oscars, I kind of might be seeing things and not there. But I wonder whether that could be it. But like I said, it's a it's a, it's me and my my crazy murder ball. No, it's a wonderful. It's a wonderful speculation, and Brad Bird is a brilliant writer, and there is a lot to unpack, which is why I gave The Incredibles a passing grade, um, and, you know, because he is a great writer. There, it, there is a lot to unpack in both these movies. Yeah. Uh, kind of felt like this, this movie is lazy. I, I, I see what you're I still see what you're saying. So yeah, yeah, I guess that's 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 what I got from it anyways. So hey, guys, anything else on the... Uh, out of these characters or on the movie in general before we get to ratings no i'm i'm fine i'm good uh, i loved the credits because a <laughs> oh, it was yes. over and b because it was giacchino's score very good okay. credits of this movie to give credit where credit is due the credits are great <laughs> I well see we, what get you did there. we get the theme song we get the theme yeah it is a great score superheroes excellent too. yeah excellent score that's right, so Holly. We get the Elastigirl song and the Mr. Incredible song, which are kind of fun. So, and Frozone uh, too. <laughs> exactly. That's that was the one thing I guess that maybe I could possibly m- complain about is once again we could have more Frozone. And and yes. I know Greg Greg is with me when I say we, I'm still waiting on that Frozone solo movie. I'm just saying. You know, I would be if not. It. Yeah. If not a Frozone solo movie, a Frozone and uh, Mr. Incredible buddy movie. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) That would be awesome. And you have to love the fact that we've never seen Frozone's wife. and She's always (laughs) moaning and complaining. It's always fantastic that we get, Mm -hmm. you know, his uh, his wife's his, you know, complaining about something. So that was that was fun that we got that gag again here, too. All righty. So uh, let's get to ratings then. Uh, This should be interesting. Greg, (laughs) what do you give Incredibles to out of 10? It's a five. So not even a passing grade. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I feel for the way I felt about it that five is a high uh, failing grade for it. <laughs> okay. Devin, what do you give this? I'm going to give this a seven. Yeah, seven. That's And I think that that's a reasonable rating. And I would just say that this is probably a movie like it, you can watch it with your kids and, and just enjoy it with some friends and maybe have like some casual drinks and some pizza or something. But I would not recommend um, watching this, you know, with uh, people who are not sober at the moment. Uh, like, I would definitely recommend drinking some wine or some tequila or something. I don't know, by the end of the film. Um, like I said, you know, I'm not really fond of the villains in this film, but... You know, I, I think a seven is fair. Oh, yeah, it's totally, totally fair. And uh, Holly, what do you give this? Uh, I'm going to rank it a little bit higher. I'm going to go eight and a half out of ten. And I'm actually right there with you, Holly. I'm also going to give it eight and a half out of ten as I did enjoy it. And if and when we ever get an Incredibles 3, oh, I'm going to most likely go to the theater and see it because I didn't see one or two at the theater. So I definitely would be interested in seeing a third movie at the theater, seeing how well this did. I mean, heck, you know, uh, over a billion dollars for an animated movie in 2018. I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, they, they should probably think about doing one. I think they ha- mm-hmm. they have been, it has been passed around, the idea of making one. Possibly it's already in the works. But um, 
it'd be interesting to see if we ever get an Incredibles three. But uh, you know, it's I, they can take my money if they if they do come out with it. Mm-hmm. So it's an eight and a half out of ten for me. So uh, let's then get to a recommendations then, Devin. For those who did enjoy this film, what do you th- what do you think folks should check out? Well, I would just encourage like watching the first film and and then i would also say like despicable me me one and two i think Mm -hmm. is is reasonable uh and i would say like puss in boots is pretty good like the shrek films and uh yeah you know i i feel like disney did a decent job with this film um and pixar but um i think they could do justice with this actually if they would put this into a tv series for disney plus and incorporate you know the uh, main two uh, characters and, and that um, and, and, and go into the, you know, the background story uh, a little bit of, of Bob and, and Frozo, you know, and, and I think like, yeah, you know, I think that they could do more with this with Disney plus. I believe we actually have some shorts uh, here and there, I think, on Disney plus. I haven't watched them, but I believe there are some shorts. here. I think there's actually some Jack Jack shorts on, huh. um, on Disney Plus for Greg's entertainment and joy, but yes. <laughs> exactly, I had a feeling. I I had a feeling you'd say that, and yes, so but apparently we do have some shorts. There's some Jack Jack shorts when it comes to that, and uh, um, when it comes to you, Holly, what do you recommend for folks who enjoyed this? Uh, probably the the first Incredibles movie, like what was said before, the Shrek, the Puss in Boots, and. If they would do a continuation, I would love to see some Frozone and Bob action. But I would also like to see a little more background story on those other superheroes that Telen met <laughs> and yeah. had to save too to get their backstory. Because it's just like they could form their own little superhero committee. I wouldn't mind having adventures with all of them kind of teaming up and solving problems yep that could that could be an idea for sure i'm actually hoping we might we might get an edna movie maybe and uh, a oh, prequel. that would be nice like how yes. how edna became edna i mean maybe mm-hmm. i'm 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 glad that at least holly you agree with me because i was kind of worried it might be in the category of the movie that nobody wants but uh, well, yes. I, I love edna she reminds me of hetty from ncis yeah <laughs> los angeles so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and plus, I guess you know, um, as I'm, as uh, you know, Greg and I actually talked about in the previous uh, when we reviewed uh, the first one. Obviously, she is very much also based on Edith Head, who was obviously mm-hmm. one of the big um, designers for films, and was probably one of the person who has the most gold statues or in her house. I mean, she's no longer with us, of course, but uh, but the Head House definitely has tons of gold statues. That woman has won so many awards for her costumes, and rightfully so. But yeah, I'd like to see in uh, an Edna film, like I said, how Edna be- got into the superhero business and how that happened. So that'd be fun, kind of fun. And uh, Greg, what do you recommend? Well, I, I recommend every one of the animated films that uh, Holly and Devin brought up, because before anybody judges me, it's just The Incredibles just doesn't do it for me. But I love animated film. You know my favorite animated movie? It's Megamind. My favorite animated superhero movie is Megamind. It is so hysterically funny where I find The Incredibles so dull um, that if you do enjoy The Incredibles, I don't understand why you haven't seen Megamind. Check out that movie and any of the movies, with the exception of Puss in Boots, I'm sorry, guys, um, that they mentioned. Great character. Oh, amazing character, but in a kind of subpar movie. No pun intended there. 
Uh, I'm going to say it anyway, even though I said it before. If you want to see funny ass raccoon uh, uh, sequences, check out The Great Outdoors. If you enjoyed or didn't enjoy The Incredibles 2, check out this disaster, so bad it's good movie, Hypnotic, on Netflix. Because it's also an evil hypnotist at work here, but it is such a ridiculously, absurdly silly film. It even has a great actor in Dulé Hill. It is hilariously ineptly written. So bad it's good. Evil hypnotist, not unlike um, the villain in this. Screenslaver. I almost forgot the name. That's how much this movie means to me. So check out Hypnotic on Netflix for a really fun, bad movie watch. Fantastic. Well, those are all great uh, recommendations, guys, and uh, definitely some titles that I I very thoroughly enjoyed. And like I said, I'm definitely holding hope that we will get a third movie or like I said, we might get some solo films or stuff like that. And uh, yeah, uh, and I, I cannot but, uh, you know, definitely suggest or, or should we say agree with what our our three co-hosts have said today, our three guests. Fantastic, fantastic choices. Uh, if I, I can throw in one more thing, because I did for forget. I'm sorry to uh, respectfully disagree with both you and Holly that that whole group of superheroes, again, dull, boring, didn't interest me. And I just wanted to throw that in in case people didn't think I was that much of an ass already from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, I think the beauty of podcasting, reviewing films, it's always nice to have diff different opinions, you know, whether yes. you love it yes. or it. Yes, yes. That's that's the beauty of it as well, you know. It's that's like, that's what my audience right now is is enjoying about the SNL movie roundtable. Yes, exactly. So I think contrasting uh, contrasting opinions can actually make the, the the conversation more lively. I mean, it's great when everybody loves the movie, but it's nice sometimes to have, should we say, a voice out of the choir, a dissonant voice saying, you know, I don't agree. So uh, uh, that's the beauty, as I said, of, of reviewing movies. So yeah, as I mentioned, you know, that is Incredibles through two in the can, folks. And if you, dear listeners, want to share your thoughts on the movies we discuss here, or like our three guest co-hosts, you would like to take the plunge and join us here on the show, you can do so by shooting us an email at happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Once again, happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Feel free to show your support by giving us a like on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness and Darkness. And also you can follow us on Twitter, we're at High Darkness Pod. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, the feeling generous, you can check out the great tiers we have gone on Patreon. There you'll be able to pick films that go outside of what are considered regular superhero movies, or even films inspired by comics like Road to Perdition, or I Kill Giants, or Death Note, or even films which inspired comics such as The Aliens franchise, Robocop, Terminator, and more. Check all that out and join our army of patrons. Head on over to patreon.com slash happinessanddarkness. And a big thank you to our wonderful patrons for their support. Also, I would like to add, if you are listening to this on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we would greatly appreciate if you click that little follow button. And of course, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we really appreciate if you rated and reviewed us because, of course, that keeps that little algorithm happy and stimulated. And of course, uh, allows our show to reach more ears and like minded fans of superhero movies. So thank you very much for that. So, uh, guys, actually, outside of uh, this podcast of ours, uh, Holly, when you're not here discussing Incredibles 2 and other superhero films, Films, where can folks find you on the interwebs? You can find me as one fifth of the Five Ish Fangirls at the Fangirls.com. We are on Facebook and everywhere in between. And you can follow me personally at Hollymac underscore 79 on Instagram and Twitter. Fantastic. And Greg, where can folks find you? Okay, guys, get a pen here. All right. So, 
<laughs> Follow my podcast, MSV Podcast, on Twitter at MSV Podcast One. And on that page, you could find my personal page, Greg underscore Vorob, which is V as in Victor, O R O B as in boy. And I hope you wrote that down because I'm only going to say the name again and not spell it to find me in other places. Okay. So, uh, in addition to MSV Podcast One, hey, while you're there, follow other Podcast One. And that's all I can say right now is just follow it. Uh, as far as MSV Podcast goes, uh, our latest episode is doing very well, even though it is uh, close to four hours long, where we review every all 11 character spinoff films of Saturday Night Live. Um, speaking of Bob Odenkirk, the next episode is the first I am not in at all uh, unless you count our April Fool's Day prank, I am not in this episode, but John Seymour and friends will be reviewing the final season of the Bob Odenkirk starring uh, vehicle, Better Call Saul. Uh, that's coming up on MSV Podcast. Um, you want to go to my YouTube channel. It's Greg Vorob. Uh, there's a couple of clips from a sitcom I did up there now, but there will be more stuff in the future including early 2023. There will be more stuff on there, I promise. If you want to find me on Facebook and friend me there, uh, if you are a listener of Happiness and Darkness, uh, send me a message just to give me a heads up that you are coming from the Happiness and Darkness podcast. And uh, it's Greg Vorob over on Facebook. Fantastic. And uh, Devin, where can folks find you? So um, I am on 502 American Angel Radio Station. I host the morning show, Mystic Mornings. And I also do music and all my music and my playlists are actually on the station. I have my own playlist on there, so you can check that out. Um, and I've just released my 200th song and I will be putting the LP out actually shortly after Christmas for everybody to purchase on iTunes, um, which would be about 100 songs. Um, and then on Instagram, it's Devin Forward Smith. 1982 youtube is devin drizzle smith and uh yeah um feel free anybody to contact me i always love talking to people and you know gonna reach out to greg also and talk to him a little bit more about this batman project that i was telling him about fantastic fantastic stuff so folks definitely be sure to check out uh, greg holly and devin and the wonderful things they do because they are indeed awesome people and do wonderful things in their respective fields and when it comes to me for you a country music lovers i can be found hosting the radio show whiskey and cigarettes where we play today's country traditional country and everything else in between more info about that visit our website that's whiskey and show.com podcast wise for you, for you to also check out our other project gold standard the oscars movie podcast where myself zan sprouse and another member of the five-ish fangles rachel friend can be found reviewing all the movies that won the oscar for best picture from in chronological order from 1927's wings to the present day this coming week we are right smack in the middle of the 80s as we'll be taking on platoon of course so uh, that's going to be an interesting uh, conversation i am sure so uh, we have that going on also if you are fans of superhero tv shows you can find myself and the wonderful charles skaggs on the fandom zone podcast where we're currently reviewing episodes of sandman and she hulk attorney at law and speaking of things to come on this show, <clears throat> next time we'll be taking on the 99 Kinka Usher film, Mystery Men. 
That said, when it comes to all three of you guys, uh, Holly, Devin, and Greg, I want to, of course, thank you all three so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to have you back and definitely look forward to having you on the podcast very soon. Absolutely. Yes, thank thanks for having us. Awesome. Well, that said, folks, uh, thanks as always for this show and supporting us. We will see you next time with Mystery Men. Until then, stay super. Ciao, bubble boy.